Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host, always here, always in this chair, Chris Flaming. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Martha Shedden to the podcast. Her social security and cash flow planning practice is dedicated to providing timely analysis and advice on the proper claiming strategies for individuals and couples considering social security. She's a published author and a registered social security analyst, which sounds very official. Martha, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Now, I see you are a recovering engineer. Is that, that is, is true. That okay. is true. So what, what field of engineering were you in? I was in civil engineering for 32 years. Okay, so that means usually you work for a, a government or a municipality or? I did. I worked for um, county government in okay. public works department, but I also worked uh, for a number of years for private firms. Okay, so. which one was better? Oh, they have their benefits, you know, working for a private firm, you're you know, you're, it's feast or famine, you have yeah. deadlines or you don't have enough work, right. work for the government, you're, you're doing such good with these public projects, but you're also dealing with bureaucracy. Right. So that was a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> you were on both sides of the line there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have an interesting history. You kind of shared some of that with us just now, but take me through what led you to opening your own business with what your career is currently. Okay. I love telling this story. So in 2011, I was introduced to the topic of social security by a local financial advisor who I know. And I started reading books. Within one week, I was just shocked at what I didn't know, what I didn't understand. And I did not like that. And I wanted, I just became obsessed and passionate about learning about social security and telling all my friends and family and then I just saw the need for all soon-to-be retirees to have a really personalized analysis of their situation. I didn't think it should only be available to those who have financial planners or you know, have the resources to have someone help them. Um, so I became a CRPC, mm-hmm. uh, and I heard about the opportunity to teach a course online for online provider, Walters Kluwer. I did that. And that got me started creating courses, which really you have to know the stuff if you're teaching it. Um, And then in 2015, I thought I'm just going to make a business card and start start my own business. And I spread the word locally. But what was what was crazy was that people across the nation would find me. And it's very doable virtually. And it's just so satisfying. It's 
it meets my engineering uh, desire, you know, my love of working with numbers, of solving problems, but it's yeah. so mm -hmm. rewarding to help people with this really large financial decision that can that they can lose a lot of money if they don't understand their situation. Yeah, yeah. So you're satisfying the left brain. That's the uh, critical <laughs> the thinking. Oh, the yes. Critical. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And then the satisfaction part is the right brain where you, yeah, that's the art in it. That's, I often tell people, you know, what we, what I do is there's the scientific side or the number side, then there's the art side, which is kind of putting that puzzle together for people and then finding a solution that they're really happy with. Okay. It is. It's a so puzzle. if you could go back in time to when you first started your uh, venture and tell that person something or give that person advice, what do you think it would be? I would let them know that they're on a wild ride, um, <laughs> that you are very fortunate, stick with it and keep going forward. Yeah. So, and I think when you said you put the business card together and just kind of put it out there, um, the first thing I thought of was, well, this is a widely needed service. So I, I doubt that it would just be localized to people that were in kind of your circle because there's a lot of people that have a lot of misconceptions about Social Security, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, and it is a big decision that can cost them a lot of money. Right, yeah. right. Okay, so what do you like best about what you do right now? What do you really like about it or about working with people? I love hearing their stories. I love meeting new people. Client, uh, people who reach out to me are afraid. They're emotional. They're reaching retirement. They don't want to have to make these hard decisions. They don't understand it. And it's just very satisfying to, to help them and to show them. And they're, they're just so grateful. It's a simple thing. I mean, I set up my business just, business just charging a fee mm -hmm. for singles and couples. Um, yep. So it's a one-time thing but it's very transferable to financial and tax professionals who, uh, who want to offer that within the whatever fee structure context they have. Um, and that's what we've done with the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts. So that's kind of the next step after I started my own business, what, what happened after that. But um, that's what I like best. I just get such a satisfaction from it. And I feel so fortunate that I find myself here at my age, you know, I'm right, right in the middle of the baby boomers with this yep. wonderful, wonderful thing to keep me busy. <laughs> and um, I'm just very lucky. Well, they say when you love what you do, then it doesn't really feel like a job. Yeah. Right. No, so, I, yeah. And when you can yeah. help other people, I mean, that's a constant satisfaction thing. So who wouldn't, yeah. who would get tired of that? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's change subjects a little bit. So what do you think the biggest misconception is that people have about, one, just Social Security in general, and then two, the claiming strategies or the claiming decision? So misconceptions that they have about those two things. So Social Security in general, I believe that people do not realize how much money is at stake. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that monthly amount uh, and monthly amount on their statement, what that means over 30 years. And as far as individual claiming decisions, they don't understand even the most simple decision and can involve a number of different rules and different decisions about that. And 
just the waiting to claim from 62 to 70, it goes up every month that you wait. And so um, they're just not educated on it. They're not informed, but they, they want to be, they want to learn. And it's very personal. It's very a personalized decision. And it's not about maximizing necessarily the lifetime amount, which all the calculators do. It's making that optimal decision within the context of their own financial situation. Yeah. And sometimes their personal situation, Very their, much. their health could play into it or something like that. Very much. Well, yes. and le- as you know, from working in the public sector, uh, like all government programs, nothing is simple <laughs> or easy or, <laughs> or it could be summarized in one page, right? So let's, no, get no, into, no. let's get into some of that. So what do you consider to be some of the main factors or considerations that go into the social security claiming decision. You know, so these are some things that always need to be considered. Yes. So, of course, first of all is your working situation. How long are you planning to work? Mm-hmm. Because retiring from work does not necessarily mean collecting retirement benefits from social security. That's right. Yeah. So some people if they collect early, they don't realize that if they go back to work or they're still working, they're going to be subject to the earnings test until they reach full retirement age. There's many people who are collecting or who are eligible to collect a non-covered pension, meaning they worked as a government or school employee for years, but they also have work covered by Social Security. So that's going to affect their Social Security. And this statement doesn't show that. Right. So that's a big issue. There's many people like that. Divorced. I'm very, very passionate specifically about women um, and their social security decision because single, married, divorced, or widowed, we still traditionally have lower lifetime earnings. We're often, if we're married to married to someone who's maybe older than us and maybe likely are the survivor because our longer mm-hmm. life expectancy. So, and that includes divorce benefits. A lot of people don't know about those. Survivor benefits are more complicated. The benefit is you can start earlier at 60, but you can also start and then switch to your own retirement benefits. So that's just a few. Yeah. All the, all the complex nuances. Yeah. If A, then B, then C, (laughs) subsection part Q, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So there's several frequently asked questions that you posted on your website. I encourage everyone to go there. And there are a lot of the hot questions that people typically ask. So I thought we'd do like a rapid fire and you could kind of quickly answer them. I mean, I want you to thoroughly answer them, but um, I think people should go there and read up on the answers in full. So one of them is, is when is the best time to collect, right? That's different for everybody, but How do you answer that question? Like, what's the best time for a person to collect? The best time to collect is based on their health, their maximum age of life, Mm -hmm. um, their work history, their relationship status, if they're married, single, divorced, widowed, and other financial resources they have that would enable them to wait as long as possible, because always by waiting, you're going to increase your benefit. Right. Yep. Up until 70. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing. A lot of people don't know every year that they wait, it goes up 8% until 70, actually the month, right. It increases every month. Every month. I was, I was annualizing it, but um, that's a big deal. 
um, because we can't really get those type of returns promised in the stock market. Yes, those things have happened the last few years, but that's not a certainty, as we all know. Okay, so what's the earliest someone can start? Oh, the earliest you're eligible for retirement benefits is 62, retirement and spousal benefits. I want to just add on to that last question because spousal benefits, the way they work, I won't get into that, but they do not increase if you wait to collect them after your full retirement age and neither do survivor benefits, but your own retirement benefit does. So Mm -hmm. earliest is 62 and there's no sense waiting past 70. It doesn't doesn't keep going up there. Yeah. And the earliest someone can collect survivor benefits is 60. Right. Okay. 60. All right. Okay. Now, what is the difference between the maximum benefit and the full retirement age amount? Right. So people hear this FRA thing. Is that short for France or I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) Uh, so, and then they tell well, my max benefits. So what is the difference between those two? Because they're not the same thing. They are not. And Social Security considers the benefit you get at your full retirement age, which I'll explain in a minute, as 100%. Your, right. your full benefit. They call it your yeah. full benefit. Right. But the maximum you would collect for retirement is at age 70. Now, our full retirement ages are based on purely on the eight the year that you're born and the month. And it's pretty simple. Everyone through 1954 had a full retirement age of 66. Everyone born 55 through 59, it goes up two months every year of birth. And those born in 1960 and after it is 67. So your full retirement age is the month and the year that you were born. And any month or year, plus or minus, the benefits are going to be decreased or increased depending on when you collect them. Yeah. So, and so even though they say it's a hundred percent, that's the full retirement age amount. But the the wonky thing there is that the max benefit is three years later, right? And three to four years later, which yeah. is twenty-four to thirty-two percent higher. Right, right. That's, so that, that's, that's important for yeah, important for people to know. Okay, right. so uh, let's unlock the mystery uh, here. Let's open up the calculation calculator that they keep up there at the government. How is someone's benefit calculated? How, how do they figure it out? Because well, I get they, questions from people like, uh, <laughs> is it the last five years or is it the last 20? Or yeah. what if I go get this part-time job? Am I screwing up my benefit because I'm making less money? So how do, how do they calculate it? Well, they make it as complicated as Absolutely, possible. right. Yes. <laughs> but it's, um, so they take your top 35 years. Remember yes. that. Not However, the last 35. No, not the last. Top the 35. top 35 of adjusted indexed earnings. Okay. So when we look at our statement of earnings, we can't tell which of the top 35 because all your earnings from 59 and lower are adjusted for inflation. That's the simple explanation. So some money you made when you were 20 or 30 would be quite a bit higher compared to your age 59 average wage index. So it's just Mm -hmm. a simple ratio and it's all done automatically. And the value of that is that if you don't have 35 years of earnings, 
and you have some zeros are going to be included in there. Yeah, right. So for every year you work and you you add on to those credits that you get every year, you can increase your benefit. And that includes even if you're working and collecting, Mm -hmm. you can keep having your benefit go up. Okay. So how long does someone have to work to get it, right? Because people are going, well, well, how long do I have to work? Is it so many years or, and again, not an easy answer, but you're the expert. You're going to tell us. It's a, it's pretty straightforward. You need basically 10 years, but okay. it's counted in what are known as credits or quarters of coverage. Mm-hmm. And that term comes from way back when people were paid based on their quarterly earnings. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, you can only earn four quarters per year. So that so you need 40 quarters, that's 10 years. Okay. But if that's all you worked, of course, you'd have 25 years of zeros. Right, right. Which would drastically reduce what you would get. And a quarter too, Chris, is not a time period. It's a dollar amount. Right. So is yeah. so I think it's 14 something right yes. now. It goes up every yeah. year. Mm-hmm. So once you've earned four times that amount, you have your four credits for the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not having to work in four quarters of the year. It's those no. hormones. Right. Over that time. Okay. And what is the, what is that? We talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, just clarify for us, what is the spousal benefit? So the spousal benefit is really important for married and divorced people to understand. Mm-hmm. And it is a benefit that a spouse can collect based on the other spouse's earnings record. Mm-hmm. So a simple example is, is a, a person who's not worked at all, a stay-at-home mom as a good example. The husband has significant earnings. Say his amount at his full retirement age is $2,600. His wife, once he starts collecting retirement benefits, she would be eligible to file for spousal benefits. And if she waited to collect until her full retirement age, she would receive 50% of those, which is $1,300. Okay, great. That's very simple, succinct. I like that. Now, you kind of alluded to this, but I want to ask you anyway. So we might have some people out there watching or listening, and they want to know if they can collect on their ex-spouse. I can't stand that person. We're not married anymore. What, can I collect on their benefit? What's the details on that? So is that possible? How, how is that possible? It's very possible. And um, there's three simple requirements. First of all, you had to have been married at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking of getting divorced, wait until 10 years. (laughs) You you have to be 62, meaning qualifying for benefits. Um, You have to be single, not remarried. Okay. And if you have been divorced over two years, which basically covers most people I've ever worked with, you're called, you're considered independently entitled. And so unlike married people, your ex-spouse does not have to be collecting their retirement Mm. benefit. You can collect an ex-spousal benefit and the amount is based on the age you collected. Okay. And and of course your ex-spouse's amount. Yeah. That's an interesting caveat. Actually, I didn't know about that. Thank you. I learned something today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about something that I run into a lot with clients. 
you have this conversation, you do this analysis, you show them how much money they would benefit from by waiting or so on and so forth. And then they go, yeah, you know, all of that's really interesting, Martha. And I see what you're saying, but I'm just going to go ahead and start at 62 anyway. Right. So how do you motivate people or how do you change their mindset or what, what's the conversation you have with them to try to get them to see it in a different way? Um, There's a couple things that go with that. And it depends if it's a single or married couple depends on their health, their Mm -hmm. um, ability to work Uh, for many people. That is the best solution for Mm -hmm. them to collect. But the main point is that they should be well informed Mm -hmm. about what they're missing out on, what's at stake, and make sure that that's the best decision. Um, Just claiming at 62, because you've heard in the media that Social Security is bankrupt, that we're not going to pay full benefits, that is not a good excuse. It depends on your life expectancy and... It's just, it's the hardest thing for me to tell you the truth is working with couples where I know from their earnings history and their details that the wife who's is most likely going to be the survivor. Mm-hmm. Survivor benefits are a huge factor with couples and I, they should do everything possible to maximize the higher earners, which is usually the husband still in the, you know, this day and age. So the hardest thing is when you're working with a couple and the husband is just determined to start collecting for whatever reason at 62. And you know, that's a huge disservice to his wife. um, If he were to pass away first. Yeah. Yeah. I run into that too. That is tough where, even having that survivor benefit for them, be it a higher amount after they pass away, isn't even really a motivating thing necessarily. That is that is a big struggle. So like in our country, I mean, I often think about like, is there any way to get people excited about waiting? Because everyone wants everything right now. And we're all about, you know, instant gratification. And yeah. there's not there. I mean, you can see some esoteric reasons, you know, people can sometimes grasp that if they're altruistic, like, Yes, I, I'm motivated by that to wait, but it, I think it's tough, especially in our country, because everybody's so excited about getting stuff right now, and they don't want to wait for things. And with Amazon Prime, right, we don't, we don't have to wait, right? It's going to be here tomorrow, probably. So, Yeah, well, that's why, you know, what at NARSA, our, our yeah. analysts are trained. I mean, we, we go through the software analyses and it's yeah. not just one analysis. We look at multiple options, mm-hmm. claiming ages and present it in a, a user-friendly table format that shows you the amount of money. Yeah. That's the difference lifetime and, and, um, and especially annually and monthly. Mm-hmm. And if you can't convince someone that way, then, yeah. They must be very, very wealthy, or I don't know what, but yeah. um, or what it could be. And what I find, what I run into sometimes is, is that the person isn't motivated by money. You, you know what I mean? True. So that's what 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 it also could be like? Um, my wife and I have this, you know, not struggle, but she's not motivated by money. But that is something that is a motivator her in her decision making. Where I am a, I'm an experiences person. Right. So I'm yes. motivated by the experience of something, 
not so much about how much it costs or, you know, the delayed gratification part. So I think it's tough when someone's not motivated by, oh, we could make this much more if we delayed. Um, if that's not motivating to them, then that's a tough plot. Now, I know there's not like an answer, but that's where I find there's there's a real it's real tough. Well, but that's why it's an optimal decision, because that's yeah. a very valid point. You know, there's a lot of people. Um, I've heard the retirement years called the go-go, the slow-go, and the no-go. And the no-go, yes. And the no-go. So during the go-go and the slow-go, you do want those experiences. So you want to travel. You want to do what you can where you're able to. And that's a valid reason, um, given all the other personal circumstances, to start collecting and and enjoy that time. So it's not not a bad thing. Um, Okay, let's switch gears. What would you say is your biggest life accomplishment so far? Well, top, I'd have to say my, my two children, first of all. Awesome. But yeah. Well, and it could be, it it could be personally or professionally. That's my biggest personal, but um, I think I'm in the middle of it right now to tell you the truth are, um, you know, after I had was teaching online courses and, I was contacted by Michael Rosedale and, and he and I formed the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts in 2017. And we launched that program in 18 and it is really taking off. And it's so exciting for me to spread the word that all pre-retirees should be looking for someone with this designation to help them, whether that is their financial advisor that has the designation or, you know, someone like me that started their business uh, on their own. But I want everyone to get help to be informed about their decision. And it's so it's a it's an awesome opportunity for the financial market space, any Mm -hmm. financial or tax professional to go through our program and learn to do that. And it's just a necessity for retirees. And I see our company growing and it's super exciting. So yeah, that's fantastic. So outside of your practice, tell us, tell me something that you're really passionate about personally. Uh, Personally, I am passionate about a lot of things. I love to travel. Um, I, um, I, I'm active. I like to hike and ski and, you know, do things with my son and his girlfriend. And I like to go to Hawaii and go to national parks. My husband and I bought an Airstream last year and we use oh, cool. every opportunity we can to go off in our trailer with our dog. I love to read, garden. I could keep myself busy for real easily if I wasn't working. Sounds like it. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you've reached that envious position where your adult children like you. We're best friends. (laughs) Good. Well, that's good. That's great. Yeah. It's have you experienced that? I'm hoping for that. Now I have the (laughs) I have the white hair, I have the gray hair, but I'm relatively young. So I do have four kids, but they're all under the age of 14. So I'm I still am going through that thing. And then hopefully they'll get yeah. to where they're adults and they like me again. So it's the most wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. So a couple other social security questions. And these are just things like I want your opinion on. So there's a lot of talk about the deficit. We mentioned this earlier. Oh, I'm just going to take it because it's going to run out of money anyway. And I'm going right. to get my benefit before there's nothing left. And 
And then I joke with the clients, you know, I'm like, well, I'll keep paying in for you. You know, don't worry, I'll keep contributing out of my paycheck so it'll keep going. But um, what do you think, you know, how do, how do we fix the, the social security deficit? The, uh, the challenge is that it just keeps getting kicked down the road. They keep kicking the can, right? No one wants to make the hard decisions now to try to shore it up. So what do, what do you think, what, uh, this is personal opinion, what do you think the fix is or what are the fixes? Well, I'm actually pretty encouraged right now because there's a couple bills and mm-hmm. one of them, uh, Congressman Larson's bill that was first introduced, I think in 14, was recently, just a couple of weeks ago, reintroduced. Okay. And I like most of everything in that bill. Um, the only the only problem is it's not strengthening it enough for my personal taste. Um, mm-hmm. The one strengthening strategy is that maximum taxable earnings, which only cover our earnings up to about 140,000 this Correct. year, somewhere there, yep. that would start again at 400,000. Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. think that donut hole should be closed. I think all income should be just like for Medicare. I think mm-hmm. it should be covered um, and taxed. The bill also includes um, some other changes like doing away with the non-covered pension deals uh, yeah. rules, which I support that too. So knowing the history of the program, which is one of the first things we teach people in our course, is you see what how it has evolved. Mm-hmm. And especially the 1983 Bipartisan Budget Act changes, I mean, that was phenomenal. They extended the, the longevity of the program for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. So it's all possible. There's a huge support for Social Security across all ages, all political beliefs. Yep. So it's just, I would think that the politicians that pass this would want to celebrate that they were the ones that got this done. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I was in their shoes, I would be working like crazy to, to get it secured because it's, it's unnerving for people to hear that, even though it's not going to go away, it's always going to be there because you're going to be working, Chris, and you're going to be paying into it. (laughs) I will. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. So it's always going to be paid by the people working. Um, Mm. It's just that that can't cover all the retirees because there's not enough workers per retiree at this time. Yeah, that's the trend. Used to have four people paying in, one receiving, you know, now two people paying in, one getting it, and that's what they're concerned about. So let's pretend that it doesn't get fixed. They can't come to agreements. They keep kicking the can. We never get term limits in Congress or Senate, so it's not politically a good idea to mess with it. What are they talking about? What what so it gets to the point where we can't ignore it anymore down the road. Right. What would they what do you think they would actually change? Would they well, move the the date out? Would they reduce benefits? What would they do? They would reduce benefits. And the okay. year now that that is going uh, predicted to happen is 2033. Okay. It, it okay. used to be 2035, 34 yeah. and now it's 33. And at this point, I think at that time, they would be able to pay between 75 and 80% of benefits. So everyone at that time, if across the board, if nothing was done, it would be cut. And I can't see that happening. Yeah, let's hope not. Being allowed to happen. 
Right. Yeah, I don't like to think in terms of doomsday stuff, but um, hey, who knows? Well, who knows? Three, two years ago, we were going to have a pandemic. I was going to say that. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So this is the question that I've been waiting to ask you the entire time we have been together. All right. So my clients come in, I ask them, well, do you, do you know what you're going to get for Social Security? And they say, well, I used to get these statements every year. They used to send it in the mail. And then they just stopped and I, and I don't get them anymore. And I know I have to go online, but are they ever going to start sending me the paper ones again? So are they, do they send paper ones now? What, what age do they start doing that? Um, and why did they do that? That's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. It was, it was, I remember that I still have some of my statements, right? You look but forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're moving towards everything online, which yeah. is, which is great. And so everyone, once they start working at 18, 16, whenever they start working, they should set up a My Social Security account. It's very, very easy. And then they can ch- they should check their earnings every year and make sure that their record reflects their true earnings because it's very hard to fix those if they get messed up down the road. But there is just within the last month, the Social Security released the new statements And they also will start sending statements to those 25 years and older who have not signed up for a My Social Security account. Okay. So I think that's wonderful. I think younger workers need to, I have a big passion about educating the younger generation because Social Security is going to be really important for them. There's not going to be any defined pension, defined benefit pension plans. And So I want them to be aware and it's an intergenerational program. It doesn't just affect old people. It's disabled. It's minor children. It's, you know, so by sending the statements out to someone who hasn't signed up, maybe they'll become more aware. Yeah. That's that nudging thing that they do uh, where they'll put like, um, you know, 80% of your neighbors pay their property taxes on time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's like the first sentence and then you have the bill at the bottom. So they, that's been proven like, oh, well, yeah, 85. I don't want to be in the minority. Right. So I'll that's a, go that's ahead embarrassing. And do it. Yeah. 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 It's incentives. Right. People respond to incentives. Everything's about incentives and trade offs. Yeah. OK. So I asked you earlier what the most exciting part about your business was. Your kind of your biggest opportunity. Um, I want to do the flip side of that. What do you see as your biggest challenge? Uh, what's the biggest obstacle that you're facing in your in your business uh, that I can't help everyone okay all right and through narsa through our other my other business I have the potential to do that by educating people to do what I have done and training them to help others and so it's frustrating I don't have the time I'm busy creating content and talking on podcasts and giving presentations and so that's the most frustrating thing. In addition to the negative media, mm. another thing that that's hard to listen to. So I, what, what do you mean by that? Well, yeah. negative doomsday type okay. uh, statements and also in clearly inaccurate reporting and statements. Yeah. That really is very hard to deal with. Oh, on the actual social security statements. No, yeah. no, no. In the news. On the media. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, things that are just inaccurate, and that keeps right. spreading all these myths and misunderstandings. That's the breaking news that isn't actually breaking. 
right, Martha? So we've had breaking news for like, what, six years now or something is when all that started. And now everything is breaking at the bottom. It's all breaking. Yeah. And then nothing becomes breaking. I know. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't catch our attention anymore. I know. They need to change from breaking to something. We need to think of another word like, I don't know, doomsday news or end of the world news or something like that. I don't but know. But we've kind of almost been through that. And it didn't yeah, really you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? You know, the best way so that I don't <clears> lose track is to contact me at uh, my email for NARSA, which is really easy. It's Martha at NARSA, N-A-R-S-S-A dot org. Okay. So, yeah. And I encourage everyone to also check out uh, her website as well, which is, can you share that with us? Yes, Shedden Social Security and Retirement Planning.com. And um, there's a contact form on there as well. Right. And I'll get notified if uh, you need help. So that's okay. wonderful as well. Great. Well, Martha, thanks. I want, it's been great having you on the show. I want to thank you for being here. We learned a ton. We covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. It's been a pleasure, really. Thank and you. folks, I want to thank you for listening, for watching. And I've been here with Martha Shedden, learning all about the mysteries of social security. Thank you all for listening and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Take care, be well to yourself and others. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.